Okay, you ready, Jim? You good? I'm gonna let you do the intro to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We're doing the monthly update today. Last week, we had to dive into the property tax issue, which has continued to be an issue for other reasons. We're not gonna talk on that today. Uh, but today, we're doing the monthly market update for, Al's gonna put a digital thing there. It's gonna be a beautiful type December hit. 2022. What happened at the end of that exhilarating year? We've got some points uh, on, last week I went in a little, two weeks ago, two videos ago, we went into a little yearly recap. Uh, so we're gonna touch back on that yearly recap just with some clarity, take it away. Yeah, uh, welcome back to Sharp Stories, ladies and gentlemen. As per Jay's comment, we are gonna be having a look at the December stats, taking a look at the year in review. Um, so just to jump straight into it, so sales were down over the year 20, this is the whole of the year, by the way, not just December versus December, 34%. Uh, and listings were down 13.5%. 2022 versus 2021. So young eyes, sir, young eyes. Now, it's a little bit skewed because we did have a first quarter or so last year where things were busy. And glorious. It, yeah, everything was selling, everything was multiple office scenario, which feels like a, just a, but a distant memory um, now. So it's a little bit skewed. I'm interested to see what that means for 2023 because we're in theory going to have a more stable year. Just bringing it back to last week. Okay. The. I can't believe I'm blinking. I've done this a million times. What the hell's the new thing called where they have to, the cooling off period? Cooling off period, yep. March 2nd, literally to the day the craziness of the last crazy COVID low market began to end. That's when they started increasing the rates. Mm -hmm. January 1st our tried and true government implements the cooling off period. <laughs> a beautiful nine months later. It's nothing. Sorry for interrupting. I just had to highlight their, uh, their the punctuality speed. of their decisions and implementation. The speed. Yeah, but nonetheless, it was a little bit skewed because we did, to Jay's point, have that uh, first initial quarter. Um, so, I mean, there's some pretty big numbers, but this year should be a little bit more, hopefully, stabilized. We seem to went from record number highs last year to record number lows in such a short time. Everything and has done very kind of fast track motions in the last year from increases to, yes, market craziness and all that. I mean, I mentioned extreme it before in the video, I'm typically a lot more bullish on real estate than what a lot of people are talking about. Last year, the thing, yes, the big talk was interest rates are ridiculously high, but a lot of the problem was how fast those rates went up. I mean, seven out of the eight times that the Bank of Canada could have, they increased those rates. And um, to Jay's point, they start in March. March 2nd. March 2nd. And it's the speed in which that they raised rates which caused uh, people the issues. They didn't really have time to adjust to those increased premiums as well. This year, as we move into 2023, yes, the rates are high, but the talk on rates is not so aggressive as it was. That gives more confidence uh, moving in. And then there's also not that, hopefully not, 
that massive increase in, in rates over such a short period of time. So things will kind of steady out and we can talk a little bit later as what steady out really looks like. But uh, let's have a look at um, December for some positive numbers. Just back to the negative. Somebody's being negative. I'm gonna go. Um, of course. The, uh, the, the pain in which the government has, of course, and I, I believe it, this is the way it should have to be done, mm -hmm. has been interesting in, in, in that velocity. And of course they could have done, I don't know how many cues they actually take from our domestic numbers and how many cues they take from outside. A lot of the stuff they do is, well, the US is doing this, so we should too, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but just interesting the perspective that, that this whole thing has done, which again, I believe was justified to do. Um, maybe not this velocity, but the sooner the pain is felt, the faster we can get past this, of course, um, is that if the pricing is going up, which was the common, we're fighting this quickly inflating real estate market as a buyer, um, and uh, the, the faster it goes up, the, 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 the more time I take to buy, the further away from what I want to be in I can because I relatively have a set amount of money uh, at my bank disposal and my deposit. Um, it was kind of the, the fight for a very long time. Uh, and sellers, the fight was the exact opposite. Why sell today when I can sell next month for more? But this fight that people are now fighting, the people that are actually in with the rates increasing so much, um, is an actual pain that is not as easy to get out of. You can always spend less money on your real estate. You can always choose to get out earlier and maybe not make as much, but the, the pain that a lot of people are feeling now, all those variable clients, um, uh, is, is one, I think, that much more because they're just locked in. You can't just sell and get out at a loss. You can't just go and make more money a lot of the time. So it's not, now again, taking variable rates, there's always a risk. I don't think anyone saw this coming, um, but there's always a risk and hopefully people have long-winded as opposed to typically short memories moving forward at what kind of risk it could be. Hopefully we don't have this again, but a different kind of pain has now been felt. I, Bridging onto, I believe as well, the long-term real estate game uh, is a positive one and you need to be a part of it um, to a certain degree, but it's been a very hard perspective for, we'll say a third to half of the market, um, their experience over the last year. So, Yeah, I mean, in terms of whether it was the right or the wrong answer, I... <laughs> It was the right answer. I think, yes, rates should have gone up definitely. My question is just the speed in which they went up. Um, and I think that's a little bit of like, a, again, that's probably an issue with the Bank of Canada because they were saying, you know, you buy, rates gonna be low for a long time, blah, blah, blah. And then to go back on that word and then to go back on that so fast, knowing that there are record numbers, there comes that disconnect with the people and everyday lives versus, well, well, no, I'm not done. I know you're taking a deep inhale in order to spout some nonsense. But there comes a point where there's obviously a divide between the Bank of Canada and the people who are obviously going to be the ones who are realistically going to be hit with this, right? If, if you're on a few hundred thousand dollars salary, possibly more, definitely more, you're a lot more easier able to handle these types of changes. But there's a lot of people who, again, then you can make the remarks, you know, could you, should you buy within your means? These adjustments, it's, I'm still undecided because people were stress tested on it, but I think it's the, the speed in which it happened. Because the other thing is, is for the longest time it was said, the inflation is happening because of the war in Ukraine, Ukraine and supply chain. Okay, so, 
if Putin, so if Putin is invading Ukraine, how is you hitting my trigger rate going to like, like help, help with things. And then on the other side of things is it takes time. And I think we've had this discussion before. It takes time for those rates, those new rates to go into the market, to filter through, to actually make a change. And so I know the plan was always, we want to go high so that we can adjust downwards. And again, it takes time with doing so. But I think there's there's a bit of a disconnect there because I think the Bank of Canada's goal is always they will I think they'll happily throw us into a recession if it means that they can get themselves back down to uh, the two two and a half percent interest rate that they go for. But it's just anyway, it's done. It's in the past. Let's move on to December twenty. We focus on the people that can't or are struggling making their mortgage payments. That's a not a small aspect of it, but that is in no way we're raising rates so the people get screwed that have bought real estate that are on variable rates. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a byproduct of what their bigger picture trying to do. To that point, 12 to 18 months, they say on average, these increases take to blend into the market, which is what they're trying to do, slow the entire thing down, not just screw the people that are directly affected on variable rates. But to your other point, which I was inhaling for before, is that I believe there was 18 months between him saying, take the money, it's gonna be cheap for a long time, and March 2nd, the starting increase. Um, I just think it always comes back to, people wanna look for lines in the sand and benchmarks and things to lean on for peace of mind, mm -hmm. making these big decisions, but those third parties, specifically anything government related, should never be a benchmark or a line in the sand. Yeah, Do your I mean, own due diligence, work with your own, uh, sensitivity of your own hairline, if you will. You did this to yourself. Uh, of you how also took a hit, man. You can, a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, uh, you can endure and go from there. Yeah, I mean, there's, of course, there's the argument as well for businesses that already struggled and gone through, through so much. But um, anyway, we will slip swiftly move on. Yeah. Or, you know, you could just take it back and just say maybe that, you know, the Canadian government and Trudeau didn't need to spend as much as he needed to spend. But our drinks are not anywhere near alcoholic enough to have that conversation. And the people do not have I'm not allowed to publicly enough speak time. politics anymore. Yeah, so it's probably a good rule. But anyway, looking at December, you know, so the market was down 34% in terms of sales 2022 versus 2021. So let's get a bit more positive. December 22 versus December 21. Don't touch my bum again. They're down 51%. Sales. Sales are down 51%. Now, and it's interesting because I say that just so normally now. Whereas like... If because the people know as well, you're going from such an extreme to such an extreme that yeah, it's a big number, but it's not... All the, all the layers around the onion that you're talking about are very like, well, of course it makes sense. Seen the glass onion? Knives out, glass onion, good film. Yes, sir. Um, you've not seen it. Anyway, it's before if you're watching us when the market was extremely busy, um, we were saying don't the numbers are important, but don't get too caught up in them because when the market was really busy, we were seeing incredibly high numbers versus times when the market was just at a regular place at, at that point, possibly even slowing down a bit. Now it's the reverse. The market I bought when there was only five percent absorption. <laughs> Deal with that, John. The, the market is obviously now significantly snowing. We know it's significant. Snowing. It's snowing, it's slowing, it's... Potato, potato. Whatever, it's doing all this thing. Um, 
Anyway, and we think it's still probably got some more room to come down. There's some more options out there. So, and now we're the other way, right? We're comparing a very um, slow market to a very busy market. Obviously, December was still very busy in this time, 2021. So, don't get too caught up. And I mean, that leads a perfect way into our next segment, which is the sales to active listings ratio. Jay, give the breakdown of what each percentage means. Under 12 buyer's agent. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Buyer's market. You sure there's no booze in that coffee? I was just talking, it's funny, to a, a friend of mine who's an agent in Sydney uh, this morning, and we were talking about the difference between our markets and how being official buyer's agents there are new and before that everyone was going and double ending. Mm -hmm. and the commissions are not paid from the seller to both the buyer and the seller. So you've got to, yeah, it's a whole different market. Anyway, um, <clears throat> below 12 buyer's market, 12 to 20 is a balanced market and above 20 is yield seller's market. Um, which we remember there was stuff just 60. Yeah, uh, like it was, it was crazy. It was like yeah. 60, I think townhouses at one point were like 70%. Yeah. But at the moment we're sitting at an average of 17 and a half percent. So we're right in that, in the middle of that balanced market territory. So it, it wouldn't make sense to be balanced market territory, but then sales are down 51, 52% year over year. So that's why we don't get too caught up in it. So I do expect there still to be an adjustment and let's not forget where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to more of a balanced market. A lot of people have this concept that real estate only goes up or down. And that, that's not the case at all. When things start changing around and we do start seeing more balanced, I think at first that balancing just looks like a slow or a, a more gentle slope downwards in price. I do think there is some more price adjustments that need to come. Imagine the, the ease of a balanced market. Give us a balanced market for like a year. Yeah, until yes, they start changing in interest rates. Subjects are flying all over the place. Like inventory, like if you want a good two bedroom, there's good two bedrooms out there. Yeah, stuff like that. So that's what people need to adjust expectations to. And I mean, January has seen a lot of talk within the industry as there's been a lot of an increase in activity. I think you've seen the same. Yeah, I was just gonna say rates. I'm adjusting my rate forecast again. We can get into that later. Oh God, like sixth time. <laughs> but yes, activity has, uh, for, for, from what I'm seeing more on the higher end, mm -hmm. um, our lower end stuff and lower end still being over a million, but like higher end, we're getting more activity. And I think that market to me has been uh, more anxious after this kind of pause and lack of activity, whereas I think, which is fair enough, and I've got some numbers that are interesting here to talk about in a second more specifically, but the lower market, um, specifically entry level, if you're uh, uh, buying an entry level investment property or you're a first time buyer, um, that market is pretty, always kind of the, the engine chugging along the, the fastest, which mm -hmm. is no different now, but um, yeah, that kind of jump in, in, in activity I'm, I'm seeing, you may not or disagree, but in the higher stuff. No, and I think it makes sense because, uh, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. I mentioned one earlier, the talk behind interest rates is definitely mellowed out, although rates haven't come down, uh, especially when you, it makes sense when you're talking higher as well, because overall money is very cheap in Canada. And so a lot of people, even if they have the money to buy cash when it comes to the higher end and things like that, they do want to borrow money because it's significantly cheaper versus other countries. So 
when you're talking percentages, even a quarter percent, half percent, three quarters percent, full percent, it makes quite a bit of a difference on those larger amounts. And so when the talk is more mellow, you have more of a confident look on the market moving forward. So I think that has an impact psychologically for sure. To put it in Are you seeing terms. that on the current rates? I was seeing that on the low rates, uh, kind of under 3%. Commonly, people that didn't need mortgages were still taking them because they could obviously leverage the money better outside of that. Yeah, I'm still. I haven't seen that at all now, personally. Yeah, I still see it, but more so now because, like, fixed is what you can get like a two or three year fixed at the moment for like four and a half, five. So it's not as, it's not as peak as it was. And I think that again, then you're coming into you know speculation, but people hedging their bets for a couple of years on a fixed mortgage to then switch into the variable short-term pain, long-term gain, and that can be a whole different conversation. And again, where the U.S. here versus like interest rates versus overseas in various areas of Europe and stuff like that as well, we're still pretty good. And I mean, as, although interest rates have, and I'll go off on this tangent briefly here, although interest rates are high right now, like if you were buying in 1990, interest rates were significantly more, like north of 10%. So it's always cyclical. That's- We are very, we are very short term memory creatures. So we're like, well, it was 1.25 just a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. Now I'm stress testing a goddamn eight. And now eight, I don't know, you may know better, but eight I do. world perspective, Mm -hmm. I can't see that being an astronomical, stress testing a date, so let's say mm -hmm. six, an astronomical number um, because money, as we know, in the great Western parts of the world is a lot easier to come by and cheaper because they can mm -hmm. just print it out. Pop it in. But um, I think there's a point there in leverage right now when you still have a slower market, definitely generally speaking, look at the sales this time of year. We may get back to a much more cyclical market, which was definitely a thing back many moons ago when I began. Um, there was definitely a more defined uh, annual band of, of activity that fluctuated and then year over year, it just kind of became like, there's no high or low in the market, it's just always busy. Um, so we may get back to that sort of thing. But I think now also, while you don't have a lot of competition, while you do have the flexibility to get your, um, your subjects in, you can go, I think we'll know a lot better by m the end of March, but variable rates may be advantageous this year, assuming they do pause, which I do believe they will with rates, and then down is kind of the only road. Um, and you've also got a chance to get in today with a lot less pressure and then refinance later on. Yeah, I mean, you bring so up a good point about- As we go along. When they drop. You bring up a good point about the cyclical side of things. Real estate market is cyclical and it doesn't just change overnight. The rapid change that we saw last year was was definitely not one that we're very used to seeing. I mean, even when the market was extremely busy before the interest rate hikes and etc. came in, we already started seeing the market start to shift more towards towards uh, I'm not even gonna say buyer's market at that point, but shift downwards. It was then thrown downwards with, of course, interest rates and everything that we've been talking about. So the same is going to happen in reverse. Now, these are just the start of, of possible trends here. We're not saying that it's going to shift and it's now going back up again. We've already said that there still has some time to adjust, but it is cyclical and I think it will get back to doing that. And with a lot of the activity which has come around, I think last year as well, especially where the market's at, December's always quieter. 
holidays, New Year, Hanukkah, whatever it is, people always have so many reasons to just put it off in December and okay, we'll get rolling in the new year, especially when the market was so quiet. A lot of people holding out for this year, possibly spring. I can see why people are now saying, okay, now we've we've passed it and now it's January 23. Let's let's put the activity there and that would show a bit more of why we've had a bit of a bump in inventory as well. Again, we'll give you those full numbers when those uh, when they actually get released in next month's stats. And there are always people that are wanting and needing to do to make a move for whatever reason they have. There's the the, the market that no, I'm gonna be a you. No, there's not. Nobody needs to sell. There's nobody. A small fraction. No, of nobody that needs need to sell to make decisions. Uh, small fraction. So um, those people that have waited, again, they're layered on. They're now a year beyond uh, when they initially wanted to do something. And I mean, pe some people, I think a, a, might, a vast minority, but will be on set timelines if it's to do with work or, or kids or whatever, um, will need to do something. So I think that's gonna add a lot. Last year paused a lot of people's plans for a variety of reasons, obviously, and I think we're gonna see a lot of those plans resuming this year mm -hmm. um, and jumping into this. I just wanna break down a few tighter numbers in the market. Um, Breakaway. Just to give an idea. I don't like doing the elevated stuff. I like putting a bit more perspective. Um, so this is slightly more downtown market. The highest sale in December was in the four to four and a half million dollar range. I'm not going to go into specific properties just to give an overview here. That was 7% um, absorption, that one sale. So you can mm -hmm. imagine how many listings are in that range. Uh, the busiest market in downtown was the 500 and 600 at 17 sales. As you can imagine, that Makes 17 sense. sales was 55% absorption of that. And there's currently 35 listings in downtown listed over 5 million. Does it matter? Probably not, but always interesting. Downtown area specifically, or is this like Yaletown, West End and everything? All downtown. Okay. Whole thing. West side houses, the high, um, one sale over seven and a half million, um, which was 1% of the absorption rate in that wow. uh, inventory. And the busiest market was three to three and a half million at 10 sales, which is 29% absorption. 96 listings listed over seven and a half million detached wow. houses on the west side. Um, that's between seven and a half, and I believe the highest current listing is 60 million. Let's see some price drops coming, people. That's it. West side condos, the high, uh, four and a half to five million range, one sale, that was 100% of that range's absorption. Mm -hmm. So that agent, whoever that was, has cleaned the market there. Uh, busiest segment, condos on the west side, 800 to 900,000 at, at 15 sales, which is 38% absorption. There's currently two listings on the west side condo, uh, in the west side condo realm listed over five. And then east side will breeze through here, the highest sale, just over two and a half million. There was one in the busiest segment over there for houses, 1.5 to 1.75. So entry level houses there again, churning through. One sale, two and a half million. Two and a half million to 2.75, there was one sale in December, yeah. Well, it's not a lot at all. Yeah, and then east side condos, the high, 1.75 to two, there was one sale. And then um, the busiest segment again, 500,000 to 600,000, mm. uh, 14 sales, east side condo. So again, that Very entry level here. is still slowly churning along as it always does. So if you're working exclusively with first time buyers, you've been consistent this whole time. And as you climb up, there's definitely inventory to be had and the numbers quickly pyramid to a one sale per month. 
Typically, typically what you see, I mean, I think the interest rates, as we know, affect first-time home buyers the most. You know, before when you could buy something for seven hundred thousand, maybe you're looking for five hundred thousand. That's a for those of you who are not looking in that range, if, if that's all you can afford, that's a significant shift in the type of property you can get as well from 500, 700,000, as opposed to like 2.5 to 2.7. Um, so not surprising, but pretty consistent. So, I mean, it remains to be seen if it's, if it's some trends that we're seeing, only time will tell. Um, we're just gonna have to ride this one out, but I mean at least here in Vancouver There's been some activity and things are moving in the right way and we shall see what 2023 brings us speaking of writing it out Let's take it back a few years, not that many. When I was 18, I moved to Australia and I, I, I used to skateboard here, okay? So we moved to Australia and everyone was surfing and I moved there in the summer. And you skateboarded. Uh, so, what? And you skateboarded? Yeah, so I was like surfing, I snowboarded, I skateboard, I can surf. So when you're a, a new person, you buy a, a big board, more balance, more stability. And I was like, well, obviously I've done these other things and I'm Canadian and an elitist and all my arrogant self way back in the day. So I bought yep. a, a short board to try and do it for a thousand bucks. Didn't want to rent anything. Obviously I can do this. Bought it, um, got up once in like four or five months. It was absolutely impossible. And I sold the board back at a loss and quit my surfing career and went to bodyboarding. That's some insight for you right there. And what relevance to the video does this have in any way? Said wave, it reminded me, so I'm just telling the people how I think. Keeping people abreast of how I think. That's another water reference that you may not know. Well, I think of water, I'll actually be heading to Hawaii later on today. That's true. If you don't miss your flight. So Hawaii just texting me right now, hurry the hell up. So I'm taking, it wouldn't surprise me. So I'll take some videos, show you how uh, the waves should be ridden. Oh, wow. Cowabunga and all of that, dude. And I think that's a good note to end it. Thank you for joining us this week, guys, and we will see you next week. Maybe just Jay. Cowabunga. Yeah, I'm down. Are you actually gonna rent a surfboard? You're down with the locals. Yeah. So I my locals. Wait. <laughs> Cowabunga, boys. Ha <laughs> ha.